0: Welcome everyone to another Solo Screams After Midnight Shudder review, where I review Shudder exclusives. Uh, I missed last week, but most weeks. Uh, We're here today to talk about a movie called Porno. There's a movie called Porno, before anyone cracks any jokes. It's about a group of theatre employees, uh, I think in 1991, 1992. I, I think it's a period piece, just based on the movies that are playing and the fact that none of them have cell phones. And they watch this old, hidden porn film reel, which is also satanic, and raises a succubus, uh, which tries to sort of take them one by one. And this is sort of after hours, you know, after the closing times, where it's just them in the theatre during the middle of the night. Uh, And that's the basic premise of it. I'll start talking spoiler-free, of course. I'll give you a warning before I go into spoilers, and we'll get into it. So this was what I remember watching the trailer for this one uh, several months ago, and thinking it seemed like a fun concept and i do de- definitely like the idea of you know a group of characters in a location like this that's confined uh it seems like a fun idea for a horror comedy you're going to have a lot of dumb sex jokes and potentially some grotesque stuff uh so how do i feel about it? you know how does it how does it shape up I, i'm i'm very mixed on it I, it's cuz i was really into like the opening I mean, when I say really, I mean it's not like it was like giving me like signs of a masterpiece or anything, but I, I was mostly into the opening 10, 15, 20 minutes where it was just kind of setting up the characters where they weren't super great, the acting's not amazing, the dialogue's also not amazing. In fact, if anything, the trying to be like, early 90s was almost a little too on the nose at times with the dialogue. It felt, it felt like people were pretending they were in the start of the 90s rather than actually being in the start of the 90s. But I was generally speaking liking some of the characters that were setting up. They were all distinct enough. Uh, which is one of the problems that you can sometimes have with these, you know, directed VOD movies, these low budget movies we get these days. You'll have a lot of bland characters that are all a bit too samey samey These are a bit more distinct, um, if not super interesting in their own right, but enough that I, I got a good sense of who each person was without knowing their names. And some of them are a bit more entertaining than others. There's kind of the straight edge projector, the projectionist he's you know he's wearing this flannel shirt, so he sticks out because everyone else is wearing these like you know little bow ties and like vests because that's what their their uniform is. But the projectionist is wearing this flannel shirt, and he's talking about being straight edge a lot, and how he gave up smoking, and he's very religious, and the manager of the store or the the the, the theater is very religious. He's he makes some praying group before the, the start of their shift, all these things. But it was setting up this sort of interesting tone and interesting batch of characters, um, to a point, right? Not the most interesting by any means, but. I was like, okay. I like this as a setup. I like this as for where it's going. It's not done anything to upset me yet. Um, and honestly, the movie has its moments. I think this is where where I get kind of frustrated is that there's there's key sections of the movie, key sequences where it kind of comes to life and it'll do something really outrageous and it'll be it's very memorable. Like you'll some of these visuals, you, you'll stick with you for a while. Um, because it is definitely full on, you know, sexual nudity, a lot of full frontal stuff, both male and female. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, over the top gory stuff uh, associated with that as well. So, that gives you an idea of, kind of some of the stuff you're going to be seeing. Very cringy, very like, oh my god, oh please no. A lot of that stuff. And that stuff is actually very good. It's very effective. Uh, the effects look good. The characters aren't great, but there's moments for some of them at, p- at points uh, that are, you know, funny or humorous. There's definitely other moments, though, where it feels like it's it's trying to do something a bit more meaningful with some of its characters, and it kind of feels like like you've got characters reacting to certain subjects in the way that people in the early 90s were more commonly uh, would react to certain subjects, and it's obviously dated. And there's a very fine line where I'm not really sure if you're being authentic by having characters react to a certain thing this way. Or if you're just using the fact that you've set it in the early 90s as an excuse for having your characters react this sort of dated way that maybe appeals to the, the writer more, or the director more, or whoever. And I'm not really sure. I'm not sure uh, sometimes if it's pushing that envelope a little bit at times uh, with certain moments and sequences in the film. But anyway, the biggest problem with the film by far is the is the pacing. Um. The movie's just under an hour 40, so it's not a super long movie, maybe a touch long for a horror movie, but not, not like, a great deal. But it really does feel that you could trim this down by a good 25 minutes, maybe a half an hour, get it down to, like, an hour 20 kind of area, because there's sequences... Where it just feels like it's killing time and it's doing like sort of generic like oh it's kind of creepy we're waiting for the thing to happen, or they're finding objects and hidden rooms or or whatever and I really felt the movie drag uh and this is annoying because it's like right sort of we're still kind of in act one like discovering things, and there's definitely a key point there's a key point where things escalate I'm uh, probably about halfway through, so we're talking like fifty minutes into the movie fifty five minutes And the point that it escalates is actually quite good, but it feels like that point should have came, like, 25 minutes ago. It feels like if we'd reached this 25 minutes ago, it'd be setting me up for how I should feel for the rest of the movie. Instead, there was a lot of, I don't know, wheels spinning, a lot of, like... And if it was actually tense throughout that time, because the direction's not bad. The direction, it's a little simplistic for the most part, but it does some interesting things with the light and changing here or there. Uh, it's it's not incompetent by any means, it feels very solid in that way, but it it doesn't do really anything with the characters uh, or, or the sequences to actually create much of a mood. Like It feels like it's trying and failing, uh, to the point where there's definitely this large sections where it's dragging, where I just feel a bunch of modern filmmakers trying to make a low-budget horror movie, as opposed to actually feeling like a, a low-budget horror movie from the era that it's trying to emulate. What uh, One of the, the feelings I had about halfway through is that I think this has its moments, and I enjoyed the moments that, that were good, and some of the jokes that were good, but there was a lot of it where I was just sitting thinking, if this was actually made in like 1992, I probably would like this a lot more. Uh, probably even more so if it was in the 80s, to be honest. I'm just saying 1992, because that's when it's set, uh, give or take. If I remember correctly, because the movie that's playing at the theatre is A League of Their Own, which I think was 1992. but it's, it's thereabouts. If I if I'm all a little bit off, so I did feel the pacing. I felt that pacing where the script need to be a bit tighter, where the the pacing of the edits need to be a bit tighter. It just it just feels like it's it's it it's this weird thing, and it's it's, it's I feel like a dick sort of critiquing this because this is one of these times where some someone in the comments might go, "Well, do do you think you could do better?" And you know, probably not, because I I've not practiced, I'm not trained to do it, but. I don't have to be a good singer to notice when someone else is off tune, right? I I can tell when someone else is not singing properly. Uh one of my least favourite critiques of a critique of anything is, well, could you do better? Well, no, that's not how critiquing works. Uh you don't have to be a gourmet chef to taste some bad food and go, Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> if at hell sometimes you might taste food that's objectively really well you know, well made and really a delicacy, but to your taste buds it's disgusting. Um, so that was a bad comparison. But the complaint I'm going to make here is that it, it, there's a lot of low-budget horror movies, especially. And I think it's just because so many low-budget movies are horror movies, because they are seemingly things you can do for cheaper. And they, they they are things you can do for cheaper. You can make a horror movie for much less. And a lot of the classics prove that. A lot of the best horror movies ever made were made for next to nothing. And they look good, they have good writing, they have a good uh, pacing, they have good tension, they have good everything. Uh, or enough good things, anyway. And... A trend that I see with a lot of these modern, low-budget horror movies, and what really sticks out when I'm watching them, especially when it's one like this, where the concept is something that appeals to me, I like the bottle nature of it, of all being in the movie theatre, the idea of the sex, you know, the succubus trying to seduce each one of them individually and, like, sort of present herself in a way that would appeal to them, which is an idea that's presented once or twice, but never really quite goes far enough. Like, I kind of wish they set up that some of them had more particular tastes, like, you know, one example is that she she's smoking for the guy who's quit smoking. So it's the the, the double appeal of that, you know, the, the temptation. I I wish they went further with that with the other characters. But okay, so what are they all into? What do they all like? And what are they specifically into? Uh, not not because, not not for the the variety of sexiness, but before the for the almost the jokes you can do with that. Like you know, you maybe you reveal that someone's into something really weird because. The succubus appears as like a clown or something. Like, wait, who, who's it appearing for just now? It's a clown, and it just like you know, goes over to the one weird guy who's like, uh they're like, oh, you're into clowns. Like, you could do something with that because it is meant to be kind of lighthearted and meant to be. You know, it's, it's it's it is meant to be a horror comedy. It's meant to be kind of silly, and it almost never does anything with that concept, despite the fact that it is is very much baked into the the, the story idea. A lot of the sexual encounters feel kind of the same. They don't feel that distinct or unique. Um, there's only one or two where it feels like the the, the, the the trying to hold back and trying to not be aroused by what the sex demon's doing is actually used to create a build, uh, You know, no pun intended, but there is one or two effective scenes that do that. So it's a shame when all the rest of them don't really feel like they are doing anything with it. It just kind of feels like it's going through the motions. Uh, but anyway back to the decor thing I was saying is that a lot of these movies it feels like they're just the pacing is off it feels like one of the key things in a good horror movie is good slow building tension but one of the problems that I see in a lot of low budget horror movies is that it seems like a lot of directors want to do that and the script wants it to have that slow building tension of having the, the, the slow moving around and looking for things in the dark and but it you you actually have to have the directorial skill, and the script actually has to have drive for those moments for to actually create the atmosphere and the tension that is the the point of it. So what happens in a movie like this when you have characters who are are not that interesting, uh, with with dialogue that's not that good? That's kind of exposing some of the the acting a bit. Is that we we're just watching a movie essentially go through and pretending to be a slow suspenseful horror sequence and we end up sitting there being kind of bored and i feel that a lot with modern low-budget horror movies you know on streams after midnight with tim we see tons of movies where i have this feeling by the end of it where i feel like i know exactly the sort of movie these things are trying to be and this and this is the, the frustrating part with this one is that it's not the worst offender because there's moments where this movie kind of springs to life and you can kind of see really what it's supposed to be and what it's trying to be and in those moments, it really, it really sings, and it makes the other sections look quite bad and and dull and slow. And the ending didn't do a whole lot for me either. I have to say, um, it also feels kind of like it's holding back on. Uh, I mean, I, I, this is supposed to be spoiler free this part, but. I will say it's not a movie with a body count. Uh, I'll leave it there, but I'll just say that it's not really that type of movie. It kind of feels like no one's really in danger, uh, despite the fact that they're supposed to feel like they're in danger the whole time. So it feels, you know, I mean, to go along with the the, the theming of the film here, with the porno and all the the sex jokes that are within, it feels very limp. It feels a little... It it feels mostly (laughs) flaccid. (laughs) I hate to go with the metaphors here, but... It feels mostly flaccid, barring a few key sequences where it really comes to life. But those moments are fleeting. And they're not enough to get to the finish line. <laughs> I apologise. I'm going to go a bit smutty with this. Uh, so, I'll, I'll go into the spoilers here so I can actually talk about yeah, the, the sequences that are good and, and why the, the, those moments are fun. And they're fun because they're grotesque. And what it shows, which is very surprising in some key sequences, So uh, thank you for joining me so far if you're dipping out here at Spoilers. But uh, full spoilers for porno from this point on. So there's a couple of very key sequences. And obviously there's some nudity. The movie literally opens with just like two people having sex and like, you know, dirty dialogue uh, with the word daddy repeatedly. Uh, And it sets up the theme of the movie, which is these two of the the theatre employees are spying on a couple having sex in their house and it's a bit creepy and whatever. But that sets up the theme. And then, of course, the sex film itself has a lot of full front on the day. It does kind of look like the actress who is naked every time she shows up. She's absolutely naked every time. And it's one of the things where you can't really blame it, the whole point of this movie, she's a sex demon. So it kind of makes sense. Um, I, I think they did add, like, a merkin to her <laughs> to, like, hide that part of her a little bit, just so it wasn't as explicit, uh, which I'm not going to blame them for. But it, I guess my only critique is that it's a bit obvious that it looks a bit... Padded, I suppose, uh, for lack of a better word, Uh, a bit bushier than perhaps it was supposed to be, but it it sticks out a little bit, it's sort of distracting, because you can sort of notice it. Um, There's also a lot of prosthetic penis in this, because for the first, like, 40 minutes I was thinking, ah, you know, is is it all going to be Lady Nudity, is is it going to really hold back on that? Uh, But there is like a random cutaway when the film's playing again in the theatre, and it just cuts to like a close-up of a dick. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, all right, all right. There was dick in my face there. Fine. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there was dick. So whatever. Uh, the movie picks up, though. The moment that I was saying where the movie really feels like it's sort of starting to hit kind of the, the, the what it's supposed to be is when all the characters who have had a couple of encounters where they've, they've seen the the, the, the the succubus and they've had like a, a moment where it was almost sexual but, you know, something get interrupted so it didn't happen is they all end up in the manager's office who's left for the night. Uh, because the the female character, uh, Chastity, she's like the assistant manager, so she's been left in charge. They all end up in his office. The keys to get out have all disappeared. But they find like a really creepy like hidden video camera uh, behind like a wall in the, the lady's bathroom, which is adjacent to the ma- the manager's office. And they, they watch a little bit of it and they see what it is. And they actually turn it on so it's like a live like recording. So they've got it hooked up to the TV. And the manager happens to come back to the store and gets in. And the manager goes in there uh looking for the employees. Why he's looking in the bathroom, uh, I'm I'm not really sure. Cause he knows they're all there, because he knows they were going to watch something because they've got this, you know, employee movie night on a Friday that they always do and it's just like a done thing. It's just that they happen to like find this uh this room, which I'll get to how they found the room later. Uh, Cause there's a there's a weird crazy homeless man uh, that is part of the plot. But we have this thing where they watch the manager like be seduced by the, the succubus. She you know she appears in front of him and he unbuckles his belt, and he's supposed to be a very religious man who's constantly telling them not to give in to temptation. He immediately gives in to temptation. Uh, make of that what you will. Uh, but he's unbuckling his belt and all that, and he like sort of like goes into the cubicle because the camera's like behind the where the toilet is, and he sort of bends over. So it sort of you know makes you wonder exactly what's going on here uh, that he's the one bending over, but. Uh, you don't see her, she's sort of out of frame, but he just starts, you know, breathing and panting, and he's, he's clearly building to a finish. And when he does build to a finish, there's this sort of pop, and there's just, like, blood that sprays on the lens. And then the succubus stands up, but now she's got, like, a sort of demonic, like, head and horns, and she's got this sort of, like, like, black hands that sort of, like, fade into the rest of her body, and she's holding, like, a dick. She's holding the guy's dick in her hand and then drops it. And it's like, okay... So clearly that the risk at this point... And this is a really well-done scene because they're all watching in shock and horror and it really sets up, okay, this is the rule, is that if she seduces you, uh, and she can turn into a man for, for you know, the the, the, the woman or, as we find out, one of the characters who is gay. Uh, so whatever is relevant to their sexual preference, like, the succubus can appear as and, and, and tempt you. And this sets up the idea that, okay, so if, if the succubus... Gets you going. If you get to a climax, you will maybe not right out outright die, but your junk is going to explode and you're going to be in incredible pain. Uh, the succubus has taken the manager, and this is when uh, heavy metal Jeff, the projectionist as they call him, um, he runs out with a bat because he 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 was kind of sticking up for the manager earlier, but they thought he was a creep because he has this camera. But then they realise it may not be his, and but he runs out with a bat. He's going to try and like defend him and sort of save him. And this is when the succubus, like you know, turns into like his version where she's smoking and she's she's drawing him in, and he's trying really hard not to get an erection, but the camera's like focusing on his pants, and it he's it, kind of starting to tentpole. um, but he's resisting as best as he can. So instead of his whole junk exploding, only his testicles do. So that this whole section, even before I get to the next part, this whole section is really setting up kind of what the the rules are. Is that the killer in this movie? is going to arouse you, and if it does arouse you, you're going to get to certain death. So, this that's, you know, should theoretically write itself, you've got this group of characters who are all college-age, who are, you know, some of the guys are just really horny dweebs, and they have to resist the temptation of this beautiful woman who's naked trying to lure them into a sexual encounter, and they're trying to hold it back, and... The comedy and the horror of that, and the simple rule of they have to try and like hold it in and not be aroused and not get tempted, is actually a really simple, funny premise. In this scene where you see the, the manager, and then this scene with, with Jeff, are the best two scenes in the movie. This is where the movie absolutely peaks. No pun intended. And what's after is really grotesque, because the demon leaves, and they run out to like help him, and... Uh, Ricky, who, who we found out is gay, because there's a really awkward, like, sort of joke here, which I'm not... You know, you know Jeff's... Because res- ref- ref- Ricky's like, hey, I learned some first aid at camp. Because uh, it turns out he went to camp, basically his parents sent him away to try and get fixed, you know, quote-unquote. Uh, to, you know, cure the gay out of him. And so that that's a subject that's brought up, but Jeff doesn't want Ricky to, like, see to him for medical attention, because he's gay. And Ricky says exactly what I was thinking, what, you think I'm going to be turned on by your exploded testicles? You really think that's going to be, like, a a sexual moment for me? And he's like, I don't know. Uh, So it's just kind of a weird bit of humour that I feel like it's trying to be of its era and it's trying to make some dumb gay jokes, but it just kind of comes off as... I I wouldn't even say it comes off as offensive. It just kind of comes off as really, like, shit. (laughs) Like, it just comes off as shit. I I don't think I get... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe a gay person would watch this and feel offended by, like, how he's trying to treat the subject. But I feel like a gay person watching this would probably just sort of roll their eyes and be like, "Oh, really? You know." Rather than anything else, rather than, uh, like actual like, oh, they're being super insensitive. I mean, I, I mean, I guess it is insensitive, but uh, it's more dumb insensitive than it is like malicious insensitive. Um, insensitive, 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 insensitive. insensitive. Yeah, I'm saying it right. I don't know why. But first, do you ever have a moment where you say a word and? For some reason you've said it too many times so you think you're saying it wrong but then you so you try to correct it and then realize no i was saying it right in the first place what am i doing you're just sort of tricking your head into saying the wrong thing um but yeah they're having this conversation about what the demon is and what to do and what to escape but as this is happening every so often because you think it's done and then it'll cut back to it and it's like another oh god no but there is shots of like obviously it's a prosthetic but it's like you know the guy's dick and you you actually see ricky like lift the deck out the way to get to the balls which are the, the ball sack has exploded and he actually picks up a testicle like the, the exposed testicle and puts it back in the sack and then like ties it all together with like I don't know if it's, it's like a shoelace or something but he like sort of ties it all together but you know as he's doing this like they all cut to the others having a conversation talking about what what situation they're in and I, I thought oh it's over but then it just randomly cuts back halfway through the scene to Ricky like tying up the dick and I was just like oh okay so um and uh, but this is where the movie kind of excels because the effect here looks quite good. It's nasty. It's over the top. And it sells the, the, the threat of what's happening. So a couple of scenes later, when the longer haired guy, Abe, he Look, like he's he's watching through a peephole and he sees the couple that he was you know, obviously it's supernatural, but he's seeing the couple that he was spying on at the start of the film have sex again. And he it's basically that scene in Psycho, when Norman Bates is looking through the hole. And he starts masturbating, and you're thinking to yourself, No! Like, resist! Resist! All you have to do to survive is resist! And, like, so, the idea of the movie kind of set up there, but unfortunately, I think it does kind of slow down again after this, and, like, when... Because one of the characters, Todd, disappears, and it tries to do a little bit of a plot where the long-haired guy, Abe, feels guilty because he got him in trouble with his spying, that, you know, happened before the movie started, just, like, their backstory. And it tries to like, set up the idea that he's trying to like, redeem himself by helping Todd and Todd and Jeff end up or, sorry, Jeff and Abe end up following Todd into like this uh, sex hell world where the demon takes because, so they find a the hidden room at the start of the movie because this homeless guy is broken into the theatre and he runs into this place and it turns out he used to run like the sex cult here in this, what used to be a porn theatre back in like the 70s or something. And he you know thankfully he doesn't get completely naked but he is in his underwear he, he we hear that he's already cut off his own dick and he sacrifices himself so the sex demon can come through in physical form through his body and she takes todd to the hell world and the end of the movie is the three guys are in the hell world and todd has like been possessed and he's trying to kill the other two so they're trying to talk him out of it uh you know there's some whatever moments there and the real world Chastity's got a plan to basically... Because she read a little bit out of the demon book earlier. There's some really generic scenes in this where the you know, she's reading out the, the, the book earlier on and she doesn't realise it's a serious thing, but then later at the end she has a little montage flashback which is, like, Oh my god, I read about this in the book. You have to kill her with a sacred dagger, which just happens to be there. You know, so there's there's no like goal of getting to the dagger or anything like that. It's just no, no it was there. It was easy to get, they've got it now. But the the, the 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 plan to defeat the demon is to have Ricky Who's the gay guy basically takes his clothes off and dance sexy to lure the demon out to sexually to do some, and the, the demon does as a guy, and but does and it. I feel like there's supposed to be a joke here where he forgets that this is like a, a plan to trick the demon, and he just gets into it because we cut back to him and he's just like pounding away and he's into it. And chastity's like sort of sitting, like in the, the theater seats, like saying, "Hey, be ready for me to turn on the lights, and then you can stab her." And he's like, "No, no, give me a minute, give me. And he's like into it. And you're thinking, "But if you finish, you you're going to explode." Like, what? Why? What? <laughs> why have you forgotten what this demon does? What? Why are you? Have you lost yourself into this? Um. But it does it without really like building up to it or anything like that. It just sort of cuts to him, and he's already sort of mid sex, and it's I don't know. It's kind of weird. Is it? There's moments here where it feels like there was, like, a potential great idea for a moment where he forgets this is a plan and he just gets into the sex because he's overtaken with the, the, the lust and the, the the horniness and whatnot. But he instead has just lost himself and there's, like, almost... It's almost a nothing moment. Uh, that even, like... Like, I almost wanted Chastity to start yelling out, like, no, don't give in. Remember what what's going to happen. You know, resist. Resist the sexual urge. Um... But she never really does. She never really like, yells anything to remind him why he's not supposed to be into this. She just kind of accepts that he's in the middle of it and is like, okay, I'll let him go a bit further, I guess. I, I don't know, it's weird. It, it doesn't feel like the characters like communicate and react in a way that makes any sense to me in these, these scenes. And it makes them kind of just... Instead of being entertaining in like, a funny like way to fight the demon, it turns into just being kind of mildly confusing and unsatisfying. And, yeah, so... Uh, that's a shame. Uh, but it it works. They end up stabbing the, the demon, and the the others come back from the hell dimension, and that's they break out of the, the theater, and that's it. Um, so the only one who actually died seemingly was the boss, was the manager. All five main characters, uh, the four employees and the projectionist, they all survive. Which I mean, I guess is fine, but. It kind of feels like a movie that was begging for a couple of kills, like a couple of sex-related kills, where the demon gets them, you know? Um, I, I I didn't really need all five of them to survive, necessarily. Um, so, it's a bit weird. It, so, it feels a bit lacklustre, unfortunately, in places, which is a shame, because there's a couple of moments, and the general sort of set up and idea are pretty good. And a couple of moments are solid, and... You know, some of the actors and the, or, and it's maybe more the dialogue and the direction's fault than as the actors' fault. But some sometimes, occasionally, like the actors when they're trying to sound like they're in the, the early nineties. It feels it comes a bit forced. Or uh, whenever they're talking, when it turns, you know, Chastity turns out to be the one who told the manager that Ricky was gay, which like, got back to his parents, but sent him to camp. And she's into him, so she's conflicted by that. And like all this stuff, whenever this stuff comes into conversation, it feels a little bit forced as well. It feels like. He doesn't quite know how to address that in an early nineties way, um. So that stuff's a, a little bit awkward, but I don't actually think the cast are bad. I actually think the cast are perfectly fine for this type of movie. I just don't think the script plays to the strengths of what this movie should be doing, and instead, kind of suffers what a lot of direct-to-horror VOD and uh, movies of this kind do these days, which is it just feels like it's it's just a little bit blander than it should. Uh, And I think trimming down some of the time that's killed between the better segments would help a lot. And then I think, on top of that, you tweak a few other things and maybe kill a few characters, and um, you know, maybe you have something there. Um, You know, I I love the idea of like someone being seduced and then having all the other characters like yell and be like, "No, no, don't, don't!" You know, try to like yell things to maybe like like turn the person off or something. Like you have someone like yell. Things about their mother or something, so that the guy'll like realize and snap out of it and be like, "Oh no, you know, there's routes to go down here." I think that maybe weren't explored, which is a shame. Um, it's not the worst watch ever, though. Like I say, there are moments that are memorable. Um, and as a streaming movie, yeah, like put it on. Maybe while you're doing something else, and there's a couple of segments that you'll you'll get a kick out of. Um, I don't regret watching it by any means. It, I would say it's better. You know, the last movie we did was lingering. I would say I get more out of this than that. It is, it's def- it's probably better than Blood Vessel as well. I think Cleansing Hour definitely has a beat, though. Um, yeah, which it did have its problems, of course. But as far as rating this goes, I'm probably going to go with something... Probably something in the middle. There's some good things about it. There's some bad, like, warning signs and, like, you know, very generic elements that just come across as dull. So I, th- I think I'm going to go with a straight 5 out of 10. Uh, but it's not the worst watch in the world. And... If you need something to throw on in the background, something to, you know, just, you know, work through the shutter library, it's not the worst thing you're going to find. So, uh, there you go. That's uh that's porno. So, uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, let me know in the comments, if you've seen the movie, what you think of it. Uh, please do a like and subscribe. Liking is super important, and it is the free way to support everything we do and help keep all the content coming. But you can, of course, support us with some money over at patreon.com slash TV if you want to do that. You get some bonuses, you get some early access to some stuff uh so go and have a look and see if you're interested uh but otherwise that is me so i he also catches on twitter at screams midnight so thank you once again for watching or listening always appreciate it keep watching scary movies and i'll see you next time <laughs>